Well, thanks, Patty, for uh, sharing your story with us. It's a real privilege to have Patty and her husband, Mark, whom you'll hear from in subsequent weeks as part of our Jericho Ridge community. And uh, we want to continue this week to pray for Patty and for many others who are teachers or students. Patty will head back into the classroom uh, teaching English as a second language to new Canadians uh, this week. And so let's keep her and others who are headed back into classrooms in our prayers. Well, good morning, friends. My name's Brad. I am part of the uh, teaching and leadership team here at Jericho Ridge, and it's such a pleasure to have you with us, both those of you who are joining us here in the room, and then also those of you who are joining us online, as well as we move into our fall uh, season of ministry together. And as Patty mentioned in her story, we've been exploring a series recently called Emotions. And we've been looking at just the incredible breadth of emotions that God has created us with. And we've talked about some of the ones that are a little bit more challenging for us to deal with, or the ones that have intensity as they come into our lives, like grief and loss. Patty referenced some of that in her experience. Uh, emotions like anger. And we've also explored some which maybe seem elusive to us. In this season of our life, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Wally talked about delight. What does it mean to delight in the Lord? And uh, if you're new or visiting with us and you want to catch up on any of those, you can always visit our website, uh, jerichoridge.com. You can go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash jerichoridge, or any of the major podcast apps will have all the teaching uh, components on that. But we started the series by asking you and inviting you to reflect on those moments of grief and loss that you found particularly challenging over the last 18 months. And so we've heard stories from you uh, of family members who experienced significant challenge or of you having to wrestle through what does it look like to not be able to see family members for extended periods of time. We talked about people and Bev shared a story of her mom passing away in this season, what that felt like and looked like for her. We talked about friendships that have been lost or found more challenging during this season. And so the scriptures remind us that we are both to grieve with those who grieve and also to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so when we designed this series, we wanted to bookend it with those two expressions of grief and loss at the beginning and then celebration and rejoicing at the end as well. And so if you're with us in person, you'll see up on the side walls here that we have put some craft paper up, and that's for an exercise that we're going to do a little bit later on. And so I'm going to invite you to begin to think already about what are some of the moments that have been worth celebrating in your life or in your family's life that we've maybe missed because we haven't been together in this space. We want to log those and celebrate with you. And so begin thinking about that. And then during our response time, we'll invite you to go up there and write uh, on those uh, as a celebratory moment or memory as a way of honoring what God has done in your life and in our community. Because today our focus is on the emotional experience of celebration. What does it look like to rejoice with those who rejoice? And so we've entitled this morning an invitation to celebration. The staff was laughing because I toyed with several titles for this message. One was Thou Shalt Celebrate, 
which they felt was in the introduction of an 11th commandment, which might be slightly extra-biblical, uh, but and also just wrestling with the notion of the reality that, you know, you might not necessarily feel that you are in a place of rejoicing in this today. And we don't want to make you do something that feels disingenuous if this is not the space you are in today. Last weekend, we explored the notion of lament. What does it look like to actually process some of that before and with God and a community? And so what I want us to explore today is this notion of what does it look like to say yes to God's invitation to celebration? As an expression, if we were to define celebration as, quote, an utter delight and joy in ourselves, our life, and in the world as a result of our faith and confidence in God's goodness, beauty, and greatness. And when we think about it, the notion that Christians would be people who knew how to celebrate would have been very foreign to me in my growing up experience of religious folks. Because I grew up, I don't know what your experience was, in a religious context where church people were frankly quite dour and boring. And they were known mostly for what they didn't do or what they were against, which to me seemed like the list of all of the fun things in life. And so it was a great surprise to me in my university years to crack open uh, a book called The Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster and to explore that. And in that book, Richard argues that one of the disciplines or practices that we are invited into as Christians is a practice or a discipline of celebration. And Richard Foster argued that uh, in addition to the usual suspects of scripture intake and prayer and generosity, if we miss adding in a discipline into our life of rejoicing in what God is doing and has done, that we miss a rhythm of personal and corporate richness that is we are invited into as the people of God. And so I began to trace this new to me notion through the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures. And you look through, for example, in the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament, the people are led out of slavery in Egypt. And then in Exodus 5.1, God says to them, uh, the reason that when you leave Egypt, I want you to just pause for a moment. And in addition to the Sabbath, that weekly rhythm of rest and celebration, there are festivals that I want you to celebrate in the wilderness. And then fast forward into Leviticus chapter 23, verse 4, the text says, in addition to the Sabbath, these are the Lord's appointed festivals to be celebrated at their proper times each year. And as you keep reading, you see that there's a list, a quite long list, actually, of scheduled days set apart for celebration and for the community to come together and remember who God is and what God has done. And the purpose of those was rejoicing and celebration. And these were times of communal delight and joy, not only in what God was doing, but also just celebrating together with friends around a table, feasting 
and drinking. And so in Deuteronomy chapter 14, there's a little section which is quite an odd set of instructions when you think about it. But in Deuteronomy 14, the people are instructed, listen, set aside a a tithe of the work of your hands, whatever you produce. Uh, If you're a farmer, then set aside that agricultural product. If you're, you know, a ranch, whatever it is that you do for a living, the labor of your hands, fitting on a Labor Day weekend, set aside a little bit of that. And then once a year, you're going to bring all of that with you to Jerusalem, and we're going to have a big moment of celebration together. And Deuteronomy 14 lays out, listen, if it's too far or that's really cumbersome to bring your produce, then sell it, and then bring the money together And then it says in Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 6, when you arrive, use that money to buy any kind of food that you want, cattle, sheep, goats, wine, or any other alcoholic drink, and then feast there in the presence of God. Celebrate with your household. Deuteronomy 14, 26, and 27. In other words, part of the rhythm of life which God invited people into is to be together in community celebrating and thanking God for the goodness of God, eating, drinking, and being merry. Do I get an amen? That was a pretty quiet room for that. Right. So, If we keep moving through the rest of the Old Testament Hebrew scriptures, we see in places like Esther, which we studied earlier this summer, a rhythm then set up for a particular day, the festival of Purim, which was to celebrate God's deliverance and celebration of how God led the people uh, and prevented them from extinction. And then in the book of Nehemiah, there's a season where they haven't been together in gathered worship because the temple's been in ruins. So there's been a gap in these celebrations and for a season due to the exile. And in Nehemiah chapter 12, verse 27, Nehemiah calls the people back together to come. And then the Levites throughout the land were asked to come to Jerusalem to assist in the ceremonies. They were to take part in the joyous occasion with songs of thanksgiving and with the music of cymbals and harps. So the resumption of gathered corporate worship was this cause for celebration with singing and music and, yes, food. And then when you flip into the pages of the New Testament, think about one of the most famous stories, uh, parables that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. And that narrative culminates with a celebratory banquet where only one of the sons chooses to attend. And then study the life of Jesus and how often Jesus engages not only with a weekly rhythm of engagement with his religious community, but also the celebrations and festivals of his day, special feasts, holy days in Jerusalem, as well as family and community celebrations like the wedding in Cana in John chapter 2. And then if you go all the way to the end of the scriptures and the book of Revelation, the story culminates in a banquet feast, the beautiful picture of the wedding celebration of the Lamb, where rejoicing and celebration continues in an eternal sense. And so as Christians, we are called to explore this rhythm of celebration 
in our lives and determine what does it look like to incorporate that for us. And the early church incorporated this by actually selecting festival days uh, for different celebrations and feasts, and those are still celebrated today, many of them by our Catholic and Orthodox brothers and sisters. And so it's no wonder that when looking at the church and the experience of everyday Christians, one of the early church fathers, St. Augustine, said this, quote, the Christian should be an alleluia from head to foot. And you would never know that if you Googled pictures of St. Augustine online because he looks very depressed. It's very difficult to find one of him even smiling. But this does not mean that Christian people should just be happy, clappy, blissfully disconnected from any realities of the world. That, oh, there's suffering in the world. Don't worry about that. We just are supposed to be people of celebration. We're not to be ignorant of the world and what's going on in it in places like Haiti or places like Afghanistan and just sort of push through till you get to your joy in some fake or artificial way. That's just thin theological gruel that misunderstands the nature and the call and the timeliness of celebration. We're reminded uh, in the Old Testament, there's a time for everything. There is a time for celebration, and there's a time not to be in a celebratory mood. And that's why I appreciated Stacy leading us so capably last weekend through Psalm chapter 13. And that may be the space that you find yourself in today, and we want to make sure that that's honored. But you also may say, you know, I want to consider this invitation to celebration, the other side of that coin. Not dewy-eyed optimism, but a rooted sense of celebration, because when we're celebrating, we're celebrating who God is and what God has done in our lives, in this church, and in this season. So I want us to look today at a text that we see this flow and focus of celebration rightly placed in our lives. So if you have your Bibles, uh, or you can turn on there on your device, open up to Psalm 145. And we're going to see here celebration that takes its cue, not from hyped-up fun, but a connection with a deeper, richer, older story of God's work, the story of who God is and what God is doing in the world and in our lives and in this community. And when we practice seeing our lives through that lens, then we learn to celebrate God's faithfulness and goodness. So I'm reading Psalm 145, uh, verses 1 to 7 in the New Living Translation. It begins this way, I will exalt you, my God, and king, and praise your name forever and ever. I will praise you every day. Yes, I will praise you forever. For great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. No one can measure God's greatness. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts. Let them proclaim your power. I will meditate on your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Your awe-inspiring deeds will be on every tongue. I will proclaim your greatness. I will, everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. This is the word of the Lord given to us for our good. And this psalm is actually the first of six psalms of celebration. And uh, this psalm actually it starts with the 
a beginning of a Hebrew poem, like an acrostic, where each verse starts with the next letter, which was probably so that it could be more easily committed to memory. But Psalm 145 through till Psalm 150 is this flourish of celebratory praise. It's like the authors don't want us to miss all of this symphonic crescendo in the Psalms. It's, it's like when you go to a fireworks display. There's some nice stuff at the beginning, but you wait for the end, because at the end, that's where the big pop is going to happen in that finale moment. And these last six chapters of the Psalms of praise are really an invitation into that space. And so we're going to explore today three questions and answers about celebration that come to us right in this text for us to consider, because there's a sensible embodied progression uh, in this text. So the first question that would be reasonable for us to ask, looking at a text like this, is the when. When should I celebrate? What does that actually look like? Is this just kind of a church on Sunday kind of thing? I'll lift my hands up, I guess, when the band starts playing, or is that just an Old Testament festival kind of thing? Do I have to wait for some kind of festival day? When are those? Um, do you know what does that look like? And I love the way that the writer says this in uh, in verse. Uh, two says, I will praise you every day. Every day I will praise you. Well, what does that look like? Well, for me, one of my practices when I get up in the morning is first and foremost to grab coffee. And then after coffee, to spend a few minutes just reflecting on the day that was and the day that is coming up. And so before I open my phone, before I open my Bible or my journal, I just sit, letting the coffee kick in, and I'm spending that time actually reviewing the day and thinking about what, what was the day like? I'm reflecting and being thankful to God for the things that happen. Simple things sometimes come to my mind. Often I'm thankful for good coffee. I'm thankful for the gift of another day. Yesterday, we were at a birthday celebration. So this morning, I was just reflecting and saying, oh, thank you, God. Thank you for good friends. Thank you for just times where we can get together and enjoy each other's company. And so when I do that, I'm choosing to enter into a celebration of what God is doing in the world. I'm choosing to open my day by connecting with that moment of thanksgiving and celebration. And friends, this kind of everyday faith or expressions of faith is what we want to help cultivate in your life. Here at Jericho, we are not primarily about content transmission or programming. We believe and live into that reality that our core purpose is here at Jericho is to help cultivate disciples of Jesus who embody God's love everywhere we go. And so we're not simply about putting on a weekly event or getting you to think in the right ways about things. We are about equipping you, shaping you, helping form the soil of your life so that good things can grow there and so that you can become more like Jesus every day and so that you can develop and deepen your communication and your connection with God. Because you can have an active conversation with God every single day. That's just a moment of celebration by just thinking, God, what am I thankful for today? 
And this is, for me, one of the reasons why I actually find summer hard, because summer lacks routines that come again in the fall. And I don't know about you, but I'm a routine-driven kind of person. And so I find it summer scheduling challenging because I'm getting up at different times of the day, not the same time every day. And I find it harder in the summers to keep a regular rhythm of prayer and scripture intake. So I'm kind of glad for September when I can kind of reset a little bit on that morning and on a calendar and, um, and do a little bit of exploration again of like, okay, where am I at in my scripture reading? What's happening? And uh, here at Jericho, we have a practice and it's in our app of, if you want to follow along with me and others who are reading scripture together, uh, we follow uh, scripture 365 and that is actually right in the app. It'll, it'll update for you every single day if you look through there and there's one chapter uh, of the Bible, the New Testament, to read five days a week, and you can follow along. We also have groups uh, that can help you dig into Scripture intake as a practice that helps you nurture not only learning, but also celebrating and thanking God for what you're learning in your walk with Jesus. So the when, learning to celebrate or practicing celebration in small ways each day. The next part that comes to us in this text is the why. Why should I celebrate? Look at verse 3, what the psalmist says. Great is the Lord. He is worthy, most worthy of praise. No one can measure God's greatness. And I find this so incredible that even if you have been around faith or church for the whole of your life, there's always more things to learn and grow in when respect to God's character. No one can measure or plumb the depths of God's character and goodness and greatness because God is worthy of praise. Author and uh, spiritual director Adele Calhoun reminds us of this, quote, one way we enter into the divine life of the Trinity is through celebration. Whether solemn or exhilarating, formal or spontaneous, celebration can enlarge our capacity to enjoy and serve God. God does not depend on perfect circumstances. Celebrating God does not depend on perfect circumstances or happy feelings, end quote. And over the past couple of months, I've seen and we've seen in our family experience God's goodness and faithfulness play out so many times in diverse kinds of ways. Some of you know that uh, back in June, our son was diagnosed with appendicitis the week before graduation. And so we spent several days in the hospital before they were able to catch it and just in the early stages of a rupture and operate. And so we saw in that experience God's goodness and care through the nurses and the doctors and the staff. We saw God's uh, provision in our family, in the provision of meaningful work for both of our kids when it's a hard time for some young people to find work and employment. In June, we celebrated because we successfully graduated uh, our oldest from high school. We're going to be dropping him off at college this afternoon. And then just week before last, we were with Meg's family, my wife's family, celebrating a 50th wedding anniversary. And so when we've looked back over these last number of months, we recognize we've had so many things to celebrate, moments that have been punctuated by God's goodness to us. And sometimes 
we just get so busy busting on through our lives that we forget to actually pause and give thanks to God for some of the things that God has done. That was, I think, one of the reasons for those feasts and festival days. They were actually marked into the calendar as those moments where you could pause and actually become reflective because the community was entering into that place. And so we're going to do that today. That's one of the things that we want to do as we move together as a community into the fall, is to actually set aside today as a moment, a marker, to look back and to remember and to celebrate and to say, God, what are the things that you've done in the lives of individuals over the course of this last season? We don't want to get so busy that we just rush into the fall because there are so many things to celebrate. And so begin to reflect now. What are the evidence of God's goodness, God's beauty, and God's greatness that it, you have seen in your life over this season? Maybe it's an event. Maybe you sold your house and moved into a new place. Maybe you got, you're a student and you got into a class that was hopelessly waitlisted. Uh, maybe you are a child or a parent and you're excited because you got into the same kindergarten class as the older sibling got into, and so you know a little bit more of what to expect come this week, and anxiety might be a little less. Maybe you are celebrating the completion or almost completion of a home reno project, or whatever it is, little or big. What has gone on in your life over the course of the last number of months that you want to let not only God know that you're grateful for, but let us know as your community and let us celebrate those moments with you to thank God for those evidence of God's goodness. So that is the when and the why. And now the psalmist takes us into that place of the how. How do we actually do this? How do we celebrate God's goodness? Well, in verse 4, the psalmist says, do it with your lips. Let each generation tell its children of your mighty acts, the mighty acts of God. Let them proclaim your power. So if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, in this community, one of your roles is to tell the stories of God's work in your life, in your family's life, in those who have gone before you, so that this generation and subsequent generations can remember and celebrate all of the faithfulness of God to your family and to you as an individual, to actually rehearse those times. Hey, do you remember when that happened? When God intervened in our life and in that person's life and brought healing to them? Do you remember that incredible time of provision when we weren't sure how things were going to work out and God came into our home and family in an amazing way with power and grace? And friends, we are, we are right now living through challenging times and seasons. And so it can be so easy for us to just get caught up in the here and the now, in the current news cycle and all of the challenges of the world, and, and they can easily consume us. And one of the things that I want to challenge us and I challenge myself about is that if we're only thinking about the last 18 hours or 18 months, that is an exceptionally short-term memory for what God has done and who God is. Because God has been faithful. 
And God is faithful, and God will be faithful. And so when we, when we get uh, in the habit of rehearsing some of the things that God did and who God is beyond the news cycle or the latest flare-up on social media, then we are invited to talk about those things, to share them. And so I want you to think about this week, what are you talking about? What is on your lips? What are you posting on social media? What are you occupying yourself in conversation with at friends uh, or at work or at home? Now, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying don't talk about sports, don't talk about the weather. That's just ridiculous. Uh, I'm asking us, are there moments when you can bring into conversation God's faithfulness and work in your life, God's mighty acts and power? Or are you going to just stay caught up in the latest headlines? The psalmist continues with how we can praise God. So with our lips, the things that we say, and then in verse 5, with our minds. I will meditate, which means to think on, to ruminate on, to just keep turning it over and over in your head. Your majestic, glorious splendor and your wonderful miracles. Because the scripture says to us that out of the overflow of the heart, over the, over the things you're thinking about, things that are in your life, your mouth is going to speak. And so it's not just what you're talking about, but what are you thinking about? What's going on in your mind? And this is one of the things that I find so powerful and helpful about gathering for corporate worship. Because it helps me refocus my mind. The songs, the actual lyrics of the songs help me begin to think about things that maybe I hadn't been thinking about when I walked into this space on a Sunday morning or clicked online in some way. And that's where the writer really concludes in Psalm 145 with this invitation, where we'll conclude our teaching time this morning. Because verse 6 and 7 takes us out of that individual space in the interiority of our mind or what I'm talking about and into a collective or communal space, not dissimilar to a gathering or church community. And the psalmist says, I will praise you amongst the assembly. Verses 6 and 7, your awe-inspiring deeds, God, will be on not just my tongue, but will be on every tongue. Everyone will share the story of your wonderful goodness. They will sing with joy about your righteousness. And so, for some of us who are musical, they get to lead in that way, and we get to participate as a community, but we want to make sure that we're opening up other venues for you as well to do that. And so we're going to invite you into a spiritual practice this morning. Actually, two spiritual practices are going to happen simultaneously. The one is the singing, uh, and, and the other one is the sharing, the sharing of God's goodness and faithfulness. And there's so many different ways that we could do this and have done that in the past. If we had the time, we could take a microphone around and just hear you bear witness and talk about, God did this in my life last weekend, or God has been teaching me this, and I've been so excited about God's faithfulness to me over this last season. Uh, but we wanted to create a space or a way in which we could capture many, many, many of those events and explorations of God's goodness. And so what I want you to think about is that's a lot of real estate to cover. But think back. What's happened in your life that you want to give God thanks for? Maybe like Pastor Jason, you want to celebrate the birth of another child. 
Or like Pastor Jenna, you got married during a pandemic, which that seems like such a long time ago, doesn't it, Jesse? But you, maybe you have something little to celebrate. Kids, maybe you made a new friend in your neighborhood over the course of this last summer. Grandparents, maybe you celebrate that first hug, that first time that you are back together after an extended season of apartness. And so as we move into our response time, we've put these different sheets up of craft paper on the walls at the side here uh, in this room. And we want you to actually write down something that has happened over the last 18 months that you want to give thanks to God for so that we can then celebrate that together as a community. And so if you're here in the room with us, we've got two at this side and two over at this side. There's pens there for you, and I just want you to write right up on that craft paper. Jesse will write, got married up there. Or you'll write up, you know, celebrated the birth of a child, or whatever it is that you want to invite us into, and we're just going to bear witness together of God's goodness and faithfulness expressed to us as a community in your life. And if you're joining us online, uh, you can email that to prayer at jerichoridge.com, or you can post that on the JRCC Friends Facebook page. What is the way in which we can be invited to share. Everyone can share in the wonderful story of God's goodness in your life. And so I'm going to invite Jesse and the worship team are going to come and they're going to lead us in two songs of reflection and declaring God's faithfulness and goodness. And so during these two songs, just at any time that you feel that you're ready, you can make your way to the side and just grab one of those pens and just write up on one of those craft papers what it is that you want to mark in this moment and celebrate and remember. I'm going to pray for us as we wrap up our teaching time and move into a time of responding to God in both song and in this way of writing up life events. Would you stand with me if you are able? Gracious God, you have been so good to us. You've been good to me. You've been good to our family. You've been good to this church family. You've been good to us. And so we want to pause in this moment and ask that you would bring to our mind those things that express and are articulations of your goodness. And we want to praise and thank you for those things. We want to acknowledge your good and gracious hand at work in our lives and in our world. You have been good to us. And so we choose in this moment, in this day, to say, God, you are great and you are good, and we thank you for that. And so we offer our praise. We pour it out to you through writing, through singing, through expressions of our hearts to you in this place today. In the wonderful name of the Father and the Son and the Spirit, we pray. Amen. Let's sing together, and whenever you're ready, make your way to the sides and begin to write about God's goodness in your life.